3: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And if all goes according to plan, I will be in China with my wife collecting our son. And, uh, when this episode airs. So, uh, certainly if you have any positive energy to spare, send it to me because I'll probably be on the, uh, on the, on the edge, <laughs> uh, during this trip. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a stressful time, but, uh, but certainly a worthwhile, uh, experience. Uh, so during this time, we're going to air just a couple of reruns, uh, but reruns that we really think, uh, deserve a second listen. And so in this episode, we are going to replay our cannibals episode. Now, I think a lot of people ended up passing this one by because the, the original title was Fine Young Cannibals. And uh, my, well, a lot of people, my wife included, skipped over it at first because they thought we were going to talk about human cannibals, about uh. nefarious individuals eating other individuals and preying on the weak. And uh, certainly that is an interesting topic but a much darker topic because in this episode we focus almost exclusively on insects and arachnids.
4: Well, I would say that I think actually the sexual cannibalism that goes on here, the ripping off of praying mantis. Head- is pretty dark stuff. But well, it's safer because, well, we're talking about insects, right? Yeah,
1: and it comes down to just pure economy, as we'll discuss in this episode.
4: Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about siblicide and infanticide and, and uh, some Dwight Shrewdism going on. So we hope that you enjoy this. It is rife with some lovely and awful bits of cannibalism. Robert, I've got a, a burning question for you.
1: All right. Fire off.
4: I would like to know if you have ever tasted hue Foo.
1: food I'm not sure I know what that is.
4: Well, I hope that you're going to say no. Because, well, it's non-existent, actually. So that's the first thing. Okay. otherwise I, I would worry a little bit if you said yes. It's, uh, it's actually a spoof product. And it was uh, supposedly supposed to be a soy-based food product designed to resemble human flesh and taste and texture Hmm. and so the website was up uh, for about a year maybe 2005 2006 and it had all these great products that you just never could buy so if you (laughs) wanted you know if you were really wanting a a finger Mm -hmm. or an arm or something uh, but didn't necessarily want to cannibalize someone you could in theory order this so did they replicate they
1: replicated the taste or the form
4: the taste and the texture okay yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh,
1: if if you really get logical about it, I'm not sure there's anything that weird about it not compared to say um well, okay, you're a vegetarian, right? Yes. Okay. Do you ever have like sausage or like a, a soy dog or, you know, or any kind of uh tofu jerky or whatever? Yeah,
4: I have like meat simulated products.
1: Well, see, like that seems like I mean, it, it's not unlike that. You you don't want to actually eat meat, but you're okay with something that
2: and yet, resembles the taste and- Yeah, and yeah.
4: yet there's a disconnect. Because sometimes when I pull out a, a piece of what's supposed to be bacon, and mm-hmm. I look at it, and I it, it's a little disconcerting. Yeah. Because I'm frying up the bacon, and yet I don't eat bacon, and I don't necessarily want bacon. hmm but I do have to say, there is that that bacon taste that you can never really replicate. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, even if you're, but I guess even if you're frying up some soy bacon, it, it is going to look like bacon and not say like a pig's face. Like you can't get a soy pig face, right? Maybe you can. Maybe it's a special actually, order thing. But it's it's,
4: it's, it's going <laughs> to be a an small market, <laughs> market that may actually carry that. Oh wow! They do some pretty funky stuff with it.
1: So this, you know, in, in discussing like why is this creepy and this not, you know. Uh, with the Hufu. With I mean, that really comes down to the basic question about cannibalism in uh, in nature as a whole. Right. Uh, because it's, it's one of those things when you really look at it, there's kind of like the animal version and then, well, there's really only the animal version. But we then, hope. Yes. Well, but but on top of the animal version, um, and, and this is like, you know, as cannibalism relates to just any kind of creature you might, fi- might find that practices it and a lot of animals practice it. Um, if you layer human culture and human society and our complex web of uh, emotions and values. On top of that, it just really complicates the matter. And you get into this this area where cannibalism is really this, I mean, it's just, a, you know, it's it's an outrageous thing. It's like it it, it raises outrage from people.
4: For it, us, who, yeah. who would like to think that we have morals and... Uh, social values and we all cooperate with each other. We, we try not to eat each other. Yeah. Humans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I found this great, uh, quote from, uh, Tom Sorrell from the University of Birmingham. And, uh, he said, quote, in intellectual history, cannibals stand for alien and exotic human beings, specimens of our species who realize its darkest possibilities, usually in places far removed from civilization. Cannibalism, cannibalism both expresses natural law and and, uh, contravenes it, so.
4: Ah, uh, right, so yeah. there, the, there's the, the rub, right? Yeah. I mean, it happens in nature, and it's perfectly natural there, right? Yeah, but and yet we can't help but wince a little bit.
1: Yeah, you hear that, you know, you start hearing that somebody's like, serving, you know, grinding up corpses, uh, you know, to serve in their restaurant, people just get outraged. There's a great Monty Python skit where it involves like, grinding up corpses and and uh, and feeding it to people and it's like the um they break the fourth wall and like the the audience just starts throwing things you know it's 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 that outrageous a concept
4: right right you you want to know where your meat pie came from yeah yeah
1: but it's very like i say it's very widespread in the animal kingdom and it is a uh, major mortality factor uh, in the biology of numerous species so we're going to sort of walk through the... We're not really going to go with pros and cons, but first of all, we're going to look at the case for cannibalism in nature and some of the ways that it's practiced, and then we're going to look at uh, the case against. And for the most part, we're going to avoid the whole uh, uh, question of cannibalism um, within the larger human institution, but uh, we do have an excellent article on the uh, website by Josh Clark about that, so I highly recommend checking that out if you want to get more into the, uh, you know, the serial killer, uh, cannibal topics,
4: right, or endocannibalism, cannibalism, yeah. all the different types of cannibalism that exist.
1: All right, so um, th- the big thing for me when I when I was researching this is that a lot of it really comes down to energy, right, right, because if you're an organism on this planet, uh, unless you're a plant that's generating a lot of its energy from uh, pho- through photosynthesis. Uh, and even that, you're not not all the energy is necessarily coming from the sun. But uh, for the rest of us, we're having to consume other little bundles of energy to uh, to keep our energy going. So we're having to eat other organisms. Now we may we might not eat, um, you know, we might only eat plants, or we might only eat animals. But we're having to eat something. So it's this constant this this huge pyramid you know um, of of predators uh, um, preying on other forms of energy
4: right, and even bugs, let's not discount bugs. some people oh, yes. eat bugs and they like them quite a bit
1: they're, well, they're supposedly quite good. I've never had one. Have yeah. you had a bug?
4: No, no but isn't I think it's a street food in Vietnam
1: yeah suppose there was supposedly some in Thailand I didn't get to try it when I was there,
4: yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be incredibly nutritious, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. I would try it if I if I had the chance, but it's never offered on you know the, the local menus.
4: No, it's not here
1: in Atlanta. Where are the yeah. palmetto bug uh, uh, salads? I don't know.
4: You'll have to start a food truck. Yeah. Based on that.
1: So, like we said, the uh, it, it all comes down to energy. It comes down to predation and cannibalism is basically a predator prey interaction within a species. So it's a member of this species preying on a member of another uh, of the same species. Okay. So, like uh, you know, when you get into discussions of oh, did. Uh, did uh, you know humans eat Neander- Neanderthals, and did Neanderthals eat humans? That's not really cannibalism. It's kind of creepy, but it's still it's it's would be two different species right. eating each other, uh, okay. or one. You know, that's that's a whole separate podcast there. Okay,
4: but it would be uh, like me eating you,
1: right? Same species, right? Right. Yeah. Don't worry. But let's hope it doesn't come to that.
4: Right. So w- there are different types of cannibalism, right? So there's um, something called siblicide.
1: Yes. This is uh, most commonly seen in the sand tiger shark, um, and uh, this is a situation where the animal has two uteri, and uh, each one produces a number of eggs, and but each uh, each litter yields just two pups, one for each uterus.
4: Okay, so there's some competitiveness there.
1: Yeah, these um, the, the little embryos have embryonic teeth. So you have all these little, uh, you know, unborn brothers and sisters in there, and it's, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, it's like each one is like a battle royale of, uh, you know, who's going to be the toughest. So it's they like just kind of, uh, you know, chomp down on each other, and at the end of it, you have one shark pup left standing.
4: Huh. Okay. And and so they're hungry. They've got teeth. Um, it actually reminds me of Dwight Schrute from The Office. <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever. Watch
1: it. I, I do watch it. I, I don't remember the the quote.
4: Yeah, he said that he actually absorbed his own twin brother, so he <laughs> therefore had the strength of a man and a baby. Oh wow. Yeah. So I guess well, it would be like the Dwight Schrutes of the animal world.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could you could think of this as the Schrute factor. Right. So, uh, so the so these two uh, t- uh, sand tiger sharks end up emerging with the strength, of, with with a very Schrute like uh, veracity right. to uh, help them uh, you know ensure their survival. Yeah, and approximately 14 species of shark are thought to practice some form of this cannibalism. But the uh, the sand tiger shark is the is the one that we've studied the most. Okay. And, uh, and, and we have the most down on. Um, now, it, it, you know, it, one of the things to keep in mind about procreation in the animal kingdom is that, uh, especially sexual reproduction, it's like a huge energy um, uh, waste. Yeah. Well, not necessarily a waste, but let's say it's an investment, a huge investment. Because... Uh, just look at humans, for instance. Think of all the energy that goes into sexual selection. You know, whole products. You know, people, especially, you know, how, how much time do teenagers waste on sexual selection? An enormous amount of time. I don't know how they get anything done. Indeed. And uh, How do they study? I know. Apparently they don't. But uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I guess they do. But anyway, uh, energy f- uh, for the sex act itself then there's uh then on the mother's part there's the energy to bring the offspring to term the energy to give birth and then the energy to raise the child till it can fend for itself right because the the genetic mission is basically create another uh, you know another creature
4: replicate your dna
1: replicate the dna keep that strain of dna going and then uh, you know put this new uh product on the market and let it you know carry on on its own
4: right right it's all these niceties like playing at um you know mozart In the uterus aren't necessarily their focus. Right. Just get it out there, get it going.
1: But in a a way, it's like make sure it's like the best, you know, the best possible. Uh, and instead of eating, uh, the sharks in the womb, it's, you know, potentially listening to Mozart, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, I also like to think of of this in terms of, uh, of like a business. Like if, uh, if how stuff works were to launch like a, like some sort of separate entity. Okay. Like, uh, I don't know, um, how crabs work or something. Like, we were going to do a site that's just about crabs and we are like, this is going to be, it's going to be like how stuff works except it's only going to focus on crabs. It would be kind of like the company's offspring, right?
4: Okay. So it'd be like all crabs all the time crab fashions crab recipes crab right. science but
1: the but the but the existing business has a certain amount of energy already tied up into it right a certain number of employees right so they us say well okay we 're going to have one one employee go out to be the editor of this new site and another to be the writer another to be the marketing guide another to be the you know the programmer uh, etc all the things that that can make it what it is and it has to uh in where it's like forming this new entity of itself, right? Okay. So it's this this huge energy in inve- and, and um, this huge energy investment, and if that doesn't work, then. One of two things are going to happen: either all those people are going to lose their jobs, or they're going to be absorbed back into the parent company. Okay. Or at least that's my my understanding. They're going to be, yeah. be shrewded. Yeah, they're going to be shrewded. Okay. So um, th- that leads us to another type of cannibalism that's uh, pretty, com- really, <laughs> very common, and that's the eating of one's own young. Yeah. Which again is one of these kind of like terrifying type of things. There's the classic image: is it uh, Cronus, the uh, the god of time? Yeah, eating, uh, his own son.
4: I think so. Yeah. And yeah.
1: then, like, then, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little shaky on this particular story from, um, uh, mythology, but there's a famous painting of it. And, uh, there's, I think Zeus, like, was able to, like, somebody snuck Zeus away by putting a rock in there so that, uh, so that he would eat the rock instead of baby Zeus.
4: Of course. Yeah. yeah Cause Zeus was all about, uh, killing the young, his young. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, so anyway, it's it's another sort of terrifying idea. You know, that the, oh my goodness, the mother is the life bringer. And then, you know, and, and if you've ever had hamsters or uh, or any other, t- uh, you know, kind of uh, animal like that that ends up killing its young and or mm-hmm. eating them, it can be kind of a terrifying uh, moment. But it makes a lot of sense from an energy standpoint. Right. From a survival right. basic. Yeah. There, you know, there's en- energy has been expended to create these, uh, these new uh, creatures and there are calories wrapped up in them. So... You bring them back into the fold, right?
4: Right. Okay. Well, I'm actually thinking too. Um, sort of related to that, there's the masked booby, which is a bird.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! What?
4: Yes, <laughs> I knew, I knew it. I knew I couldn't just say masked booby.
1: Yeah, you've got to, you got to run these by me, and uh, yeah, uh, I know. I gotta so tell you, I I've got to give you
4: a, um, a hint there. Okay. But um, okay, so getting that aside, the masked booby okay. is actually a bird. And it's indigenous to the Galapagos Islands. And, uh, that's a case where the parents, it, it's a case of sib eating, right? So okay. there are two siblings. Um, but that's a case where the parents actually step in and they encourage them to kill one of the other off.
2: Whoa.
4: Yeah. And they actually, the, the, the odds are stacked, um, in favor of their eldest. So they, they, it's sort of like, a, uh, akin to getting them into a match and seeing like a chicken fight and seeing who's oh. going to come out best and the uh, the reason for that is the the very same which is you know you want to put all your effort into the sibling that's going to survive and has the best chance of carrying on it's i mean it, it sounds harsh but it comes wow. back to that
1: so anybody out there that is in kind of a uh, a blue family type situation where they feel like their mom and or that are stirring uh, competition up, uh, uh, just be glad that they're not encouraging you to kill and eat each other.
4: That's right. Be glad you're not a masked booby. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, but just to give you an idea of how many different uh, animals engage in this, and it's also, uh, uh, you'll also uh, see... Um, uh, for instance, sharks will practice um, uh, the eating. They'll end up eating eggs that haven't been fertilized. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes uh, eggs will be uh, eaten that have been fertilized. But you'll see uh, you'll see this form of catabolism in uh, protozoa, slime molds, sea slugs, insects, spiders, fish, reptiles. They, they've uh, observed it in dinosaur fossils. Um Bats, seals, sea lions, otters, polar bears, even otters—yes, no, otters. no, they're cute. cute little otters. Yeah, imagine one—you uh, know—cannibalizing another. Uh, it, it, I won't. or eating its young. It, it happens. It never shows up in the, the cute pictures. But uh, tigers, chimpanzees, uh, you know, amphibians—at uh, least a hundred species of mammals uh, in all—and of course hamsters. Well, yeah, yeah, they're most known for it. Don't tap on the glass, <laughs> uh, which leads us to uh, the re- some of the reasons. Um, you know, why would a mother hamster suddenly decide that she needs to uh slay all her offspring and uh eat some of them?
4: I don't know. maybe she had way too many and exactly. that's too much energy to expend right. on on a broad that big
1: yeah, it's kind of like if you uh, uh you know do use this sort of clunky business uh, analogy from earlier. it's like if you suddenly created this enormous side project with way too many employees. You're like, whoa, this is gonna fail. This doesn't make, it makes sense. It's not gonna bring in enough money on its own to, to support that. Right. So we gotta, we gotta bring some, if not all of these employees back into the fold.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and some of them, too, if they're they're born with um, a disease Mm -hmm. or they're not quite up to par, isn't that another reason to sort of cull down the the broad is to take out the ones that are the the weakest and and, and use them for energy for everybody else?
1: Yeah, like uh, female rattlesnakes, for instance, will consume uh, on average about 11% of their uh, postpartum mass. Um, Mostly uh, these are going to be stillborn or just non-viable offspring. So, again, it's like... They have all these offspring. It's all about like let's keep the species going. Let's keep the the DNA going. Yeah, you're going to want to invest in the ones that are the best candidates.
4: I mean, you know, it's disgusting to us, but it really is practical if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you take the anthropomorphic ness out of it,
1: yeah, it's like you know, it's the base, it's the basic mission, the genetic mission, and the uh, the, the the energy logic tied to it. And it, yeah, if you strip away all the. Uh, the, the layers that human culture has put on top of it, then yeah, it's, it makes perfect sense.
4: You know, just as a as a side observation or question, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about mammals who eat their placentas after birth, uh-huh. and I'm I'm wondering if they ever uh, cannibalize their young, if maybe you just get eating the, carried away. Well, no, I'm wondering if maybe the eating the placenta actually. Um, Serves the need of of eating some sort of protein and getting some energy source back, huh. and and instead of eating their young, they they eat their placenta.
1: I, I think it would make yeah it would make perfect sense. I don't know.
4: Yeah. I have that's a question. If anybody knows the answer to that, that would love to know.
1: Yeah, um, uh, another great example of this uh, comes uh, in uh, invasive cane toads in Australia and uh these are just some <laughs> these are some some crazy animals because you'll have uh, small and medium sized but not large cane toads and they'll wave a long middle toe uh, off their hind foot <laughs> up and down in the water and they're doing this uh to uh, to uh, to catch other um toads and then the cane toad larva will actively seek out toad eggs of the same species to eat so there's just like a lot of cannibalism wow. going on in cane toads in fact um and again they're invasive and they're a huge problem in australia and uh they they found a 2010 study found that uh, this was actually uh, um, in- encouraging them to spread because a mother toad would end up uh, you know wanting to lay her eggs in a, a virgin um a pond or uh, you know, a little uh, stream or whatever just to in- encourage uh just just to protect it from other cane toads
4: oh wow yeah okay.
1: so it's like you know you're it just ends up, you know. Oh, we got to find new water, new water to, uh, to for these eggs to develop in, so they're not eaten by all the other cane toads. Uh, but they think that uh, that they might be able to uh, to draw the uh, uh, the chemical that uh, the eggs shed uh, that uh, that, uh, that attracts the uh, the other cane toads and okay. use that as some sort of a bait. So, like a
4: pheromone or something. Yeah, or something yeah, yeah. It's similar to that. I just can't get over the image of like all these toads. Yeah. <laughs> pointing up in the water like super nice swimmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure that's happening.
1: All right, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, more cannibalism. Shout out to AstaPro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples.
0: Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray
1: Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all.
1: So yeah we could keep going and just listing all sorts of weird and, uh, and grotesque examples of uh, mothers eating their own young but uh, we should probably move on into another fascinating area of cannibalism uh, uh, and definitely a sexier area of cannibalism sexual cannibalism oh yeah yeah which sounds like a great it's a great name for a band if it is not used already to uh, draw back to a uh, to an example that we brought up in a previous uh, podcast our one about uh, uh, ladies' night on planet Earth about uh, the the role that the male has in uh, in any given species. Right. We mentioned the uh, the brown antechinus, uh, which is uh, also known as uh, Mac- Macleay's uh, marsupial mouse, and this is the male that mates for twelve hours at a time and eventually humps himself to death, uh, and then. He's you know his mouth. He's not another mouth to feed uh, through the winter. Right. Like the species can then just focus on you know mother raising the young. All the men are dead. Uh, you know until next season.
4: Yeah, I think maybe I, I said that he was that sort of relegated to like being the pool boy. Yeah. For the female.
1: So that being the case, uh, sexual uh, cannibalism o- occurs when the female eats her mate during or immediately after uh, the sex act.
4: Which happens a lot. Yeah. Apparently.
1: And and again, it's like if you look at the uh, the male as. Merely a mutation necessary for a sexual reproduction, he's, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of uh, use after that uh, that sexual encounter. So, again, that's energy that's just wasted. So, it, it reminds me of like when a company brings on contract workers. For a project that has a, like a short term goal. Yes. They're like, we need to get this project done, but we don't want to like hire six guys and then have to pay them, or, and gals, and have to pay them benefits, uh, et cetera. Right. So let's just bring them on as contract workers and then in six months we're done. So it's kind of like the male in these cases is a contract worker and at the, when they're not needed anymore, they're like, go,
4: and they're they're submitting themselves to this process willingly because they want to make sure that their offspring sub- survive. Is that the idea behind this? What the mating? Yeah, well, that, that they would say, okay, yeah, I will mate with you, knowing that you're going to say, you're a praying mantis, you're going to rip my head off and then consume me as I'm mating you.
1: Well, it's interesting. I was reading some stuff about this, and uh, most in most cases, the male, I mean, the male's going to mate that's uh am i right ladies the, the male is <laughs> the, i mean that's the, the male's mission right so he's he's going to engage in that but you'll also see uh like with praying mantises the the males will try and survive uh within you know their limited ability to do so uh and it's also there's kind of, it's kind of exaggerated in most uh, praying mantises mm-hmm. i understand uh, because a lot of the um the early uh, studies into this you had females in captivity who had not eaten as much as they'd want to So so they were
4: voracious. Yeah, they were voracious. They're They're hungry. Yeah,
1: and so here's this um, this mantis, and you know, they're uh, he's done his part or is doing his part, and he can continue doing his part generally pretty well even with his head eaten off. Mm -hmm. So they just go for it. They say that typically uh, praying mantis uh, cannibalistic mating process only occurs five to thirty one percent of the time, and uh, and it occurs most often if the female is hungry. Okay. Yeah. And so most, most species are only going to cannibalize regularly in captivity. But there's a one species, uh, the mantis religiosa, um, which is uh, uh, which is really into it. And it's necessary that the head be removed for the mating process to to uh, to take effect properly. So, uh, and, and in these cases, the female typically eats a third of her partners. And uh, she eats even more uh, in the lab if the male can't escape. Okay. But that's the thing. The male will try and escape. Uh, it's just, you know, a third of the time he's, uh, he, he doesn't have a chance.
4: Yeah, I think it was the mantises I was reading about that, uh, there was some suggestion that they had evolved to sort of almost create a, a belt like effect in their abdomen region mm-hmm. so that they were drawing in all of their major organs as tightly inward as possible so that the fangs wouldn't get. To oh, them wow. very easily,
1: so they can keep processes going at least to complete. The yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. So they can they can mate longer without dying. But it's interesting. Um, I was actually thinking about this too. Harvard biologist Stephen J. Gould, he had thought that uh, that it wasn't as widespread as it actually we know it is now, mm-hmm. and. His idea was that... Are you,
1: are you saying uh, sexual cannibalism or cannibalism in general? Sexual can- okay.
4: cannibalism. Uh, I think it was re- it must have been very troubling to him because he sort of came <laughs> up with all these different ideas about it. But the, the main crux of it was that maybe it wasn't as widespread as it actually is and that the female had just mistaken her mate as prey, which I thought was really funny because, I mean, moments before the praying mantis was, you know, filling his wings and showing his abs, his six-pack, and, you know, <laughs> then began mating with her, and, and the, the idea that she just sort of forgot what she was doing and turned around and went, wow, prey.
1: Wow. Maybe and maybe he just said he had like a really horrible, um, you know, girlfriend at some point, and he was like, like wow, like somebody that just like snaps at the, you know, and so he was like, all women must be like this, regardless of species.
4: It's possible. <laughs> There's definitely some overreaching there.
1: Now, there's one particular, you'll you'll find uh, sexual cannibalism in a number of arachnids and, and insects, but it's particularly interesting in the redback spider. Oh yeah, yeah. This is a relative of the the black widow, and uh, the males, first of all, are really tiny. Like it's one of these cases where you, where the uh, the whole you know the whole case for males is just being a you know a, a mutation necessary to procreation and not being the species itself. Right. Really op- opposite. I mean, really, it's really. Obvious in this particular species because the male is just tiny; it looks like an entirely different animal. Okay. Uh, in the in the uh, the female is enormous, and the male is a willing participant in the sexual cannibalism. All right. So during copulation, this uh, the the little male guy he'll position <laughs> himself um, above the female's jaws. All right, and uh, and uh, and and you know basically like shove himself into her jaws so that she gets right. to eat him. Uh, and, uh, and they believe that it's, uh, it's favored in sexual so, uh, selection because the, uh, the sexual, the cannibalized spiders received two, uh, uh, different advantages. First of all, cannibalized males copulate longer and fertilize more eggs than those that survive. Okay. And then also, uh, the females were more likely to reject subsequent suitors if they consumed a mate. So, uh,
4: This makes sense. Uh, I think they were talking about it as a sort of like, uh, A sperm plug. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. not to get racy about it or anything, but basically, that you know they had made their deposit, and that you know any other males after that wouldn't necessarily be successful.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because like we're looking at these other uh, cases of sexual um, cannibalism, and the male really doesn't necessarily have any. There's no argument for the male sticking around and being eaten. For the uh, you know the advancement of the species and, the, and and him passing on his DNA but this is a case where there's a definite advantage if he gives himself up to uh, you know to the appetite of his mate
4: yeah and I thought something that um, was really dramatic that I read is that they one account said that they actually somersault, onto the tanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like, take me, please, <laughs> eat me. And then the other thing that I read is that um, during the mating process, that they pluck the strings on the, the female's web for like eight hours. Oh, I know. It's, and I thought, that is kind of sweet. But then I kind of thought, well, maybe she was like, God, that is driving me crazy. I'm going <laughs> to eat you.
1: <laughs> these 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 guys are so nice. And then the, the, the lady spiders are so hard on them. It's just a...
4: I know. Yeah. It's, it's a rough life. And then there's the, the orb weed, weaving spider, orb weaving, um, in which the male sexual organ gets stuck in the female. And okay. this is by design. Okay. Again, it's the same idea of a sort of a sperm plug. So, all, although she can polish him off and, you know... <laughs> snack on them she's stuck with them, so to speak, and that just makes sure that she can't mate with someone else afterwards. So huh. there's definite design behind this. I don't think that they're just being masochistic here.
1: Yeah, it's not the situation where the insect world is just like, you know, evil or anything. No, so no. It all makes makes uh, sense in the grand scheme of things. Now, um, moving away from, uh, from sexual cannibalism, you'll also find plenty of animals that just seem to be kind of jerks, like kind of anti, antisocial jerks. Yeah. And if they encounter anything, they're probably, you know, they're either going to run from it or try and kill it. And if it's one of their own, they're probably going to try and either mate with it or kill it or mate with it and kill it. So, um, the scor- like various scorpions are great examples of this. Like scorpions tend to live very solitary lives and, uh, if they encounter another scorpion of the same variety, then there's a very good chance that they'll, that one will eat the other one. And if they're opposite sex and, uh, you know, and it's, uh, you know, and they see it as a good time to mate, then they may mate and then one will eat the other.
4: Well, wow. It's got their jerks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: the Komodo dragon is, is of course, another great example of, uh, of just being a cannibal just for the heck of it. Because, uh... The, uh, the young, uh, the, the uh, Komodo dragon uh, young, are just considered prey, um, you know, up until uh, they're a certain size. So, so, so
4: primarily raised for prey?
1: Well, not primarily raised for prey, but they're uh, they're just, the, the the parents have no role in, mm-hmm. in rearing them after they've been born. So they just have to climb the trees to escape. Their old, parents. Old, yeah, to escape their parents. Others their parents will eat them. They're like, oh, look at those guys. They look tasty. I'm hungry. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, interestingly enough, the one thing they can do to uh, besides hiding in the treetops is if they smear themselves in excrement, then uh, then that will keep uh, the, uh, the, the their parents from potentially eating
0: them.
4: That does actually work. Yeah. Too. Yeah. 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 OK.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts season two of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
2: wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
4: Komodo dragon 2, I, I remember something with Sharon Stone's husband some years back. Oh,
1: I forgot about that. Didn't
4: didn't they dine on her husband's foot?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah
4: I think they went like a, a behind the scenes or something, and he and he went to go pet it. Yeah, that just seems like a bad idea.
1: Yeah, I, I understand it really scarred him. He's been, uh, I mean, uh, emotionally to the right. point where he he always keeps himself smeared in uh, Komodo excrement. Excrement. Yeah, yeah. especially on vacation. <laughs>
4: I guess that's why their relationship didn't work out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and of course you'll find plenty of cases where um, animals of, uh, of of various form uh, will be more than willing to eat their own dead uh, after they've right. been killed by another you know species. You know, alligator, crocodile comes across a dead uh, you know creature of the same species; it's food. They'll eat it. A uh, number of scavengers, uh, like in vultures, uh, etc., they, they see the food, they'll eat it. And even you know humans. Um, Throughout throughout history, you have uh, situations where humans have eaten their own dead in uh, cases of survival cannibalism. Right. Um, some of those cases are a little um, controversial. Like uh, I've I've read cases for and against the um, uh, the Donner Party cannibalism thing actually happening.
4: Right, because there were no actual witnesses. Yeah. yeah.
1: But uh, but and then you also have the uh, the case of the the soccer team and alive. Um, and the in uh, the actual events that that movie uh, and book were based on, where you know they're they're in a horrible situation mm-hmm. the you know, these the, the, there are these dead bodies, and really on a very logical level, those bodies are energy and if you're in a situation where it's life or death, you're going to consume that energy
4: right and I think that's the important thing to think about is that it it really is in extreme conditions right it, yeah. in with humans as it has happened, and in nature i mean food is scarce um but, you know, you can always look over at someone and say, hmm, it would be a good protein source.
1: Yeah, and in nature it tends to be a lot, it's a lot more life and death, obviously. Uh, especially these cases we're looking at in the ocean, where where competition is tremendous. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of our our fascination with cannibalism is that it is, we, we largely, a lot of us uh, anyway, live in a time where it's really hard to imagine such a desperate situation. And it's and that would necessitate this kind of return to our primal roots and our basic programming.
4: Yeah, actually, wasn't it Ted Turner who, n- not too long ago, uh, warned everybody that we'd become cannibalists if uh, if we didn't address the global warming situation? Oh, really? I missed that. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, of course, it drew outrage, but wow. uh, it was certainly a way to get people to pay attention to the problem.
1: Oh, oh. I actually, um, yeah, I actually heard that they. um the, the, Ted's Montana Grills, they actually had, um, these, uh, these statues of people that they were going to start rolling out in place of the buffalo. <laughs> if that cannibalism thing were, to, cause you know, I mean, Ted's a savvy businessman. So, yeah. If cannibalism becomes a new thing. Then uh, Ted's Montana Grill is going to pick up on it. Yeah. Run with of
4: course. <laughs> that's a brilliant idea. Um, but what about primates? I mean, that's, to me, primates and cannibalism is, um, it's one of those things I can't help but anthropomorphize because I think that we look at them mm-hmm. and see so much of ourselves in them, and and they do cannibalize one another from time to time.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's especially um, with primates, yeah, you see some very disturbing uh, acts. Uh, you know, and, and they're more disturbing because they resemble us more, right? And uh, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, see, you'll see chimpanzees, uh, even gorillas and orangutans are cases where they're you know suspected of eating their own young, uh, you know. And we've seen plenty of cases of where chimpanzees have uh, have have demonstrated their uh, capacity for quote unquote cruelty uh, mm-hmm. towards uh, other chimpanzees. Um,
4: but will they? I know that sometimes when they're uh, fighting, that they'll kill each other. But when they're fighting, don't. Don't necessarily eat the body afterward. Is that right?
1: Right, uh, or, or yeah, not necessarily will they eat it.
4: So it's it's more. Um, I guess if they come along a deceased chimpanzee or other type of ape, and they actually just
1: eat it. Yeah. In chimpanzees, typically the males will kill and eat the infant of another female, usually in their own group, but occasionally in another. Okay. And uh, when chimps kill adults from other groups in a fight, they don't eat the body.
4: Okay. Yeah. And I remember this too, that they, they might eat the infant to um, force the chimpanzee into estrus so that they can go ahead and propagate again. Is that right?
1: I believe so. Yeah. yeah.
4: So the infant may not have been their infant, but they want to go ahead and mate and get the process rolling.
1: Right. Right. Uh, now, it's uh, it, it's interesting when you start looking at um, at, at especially at uh, at primates eating one another and different cases you know throughout history. There are constantly studies arguing for and against the uh, um, you know just how much cannibalism was going on with pre prehisto- uh, with uh, you know prehistoric humans. But um, anthropologist uh, William Ahrens uh, suggests it's simply a bad strategy as far as evolution goes, though. Like since the uh, under evolutionary theory, we're fu- fueled by that you know innate desire to see our genes survive. You know, eating another one of your you know your tribe and your species that doesn't really make sense. You know, it's, right. it's going, it's working against our uh, our basic programming. And uh, and and another uh, interesting thing to, ke- to keep in mind is uh, you know you, you may think, well, why don't humans just raise you know why why don't humans raise humans for food, right? Or, or how how come you don't have uh, you know cases where. Um, cannibalism becomes a, a staple, staple of any species diet. Um, though, it is worth pointing out that um, cannibalism can play a huge role in the diet. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to the scorpions here for a second. There was a 1980 study of desert scorpions, and they found that cannibalism provided only the uh, fourth most common meal for a scorpion. But in, but as far as body mass goes, it was the number one, representing more than 25% of its uh, total food intake. Uh, okay. So so yeah, so in in the case of the scorpion, yes, uh, cannibalism can provide a large part of its uh, diet, but uh, in humans you see a different uh, situation.
4: Yeah, in humans, uh, nature does not necessarily like for us to practice cannibalism, and uh, I think that you can see that pretty well illustrated in the four tribe. Is that right, with the kuru?
1: Yes, kuru is a um, yeah, It's a rare breed of disorder caused by what are called prions. And these are abnormal proteins, which uh, induce irregular protein folding in brain cells. And uh, this leads to flawed brain tissue, which results in progressive incurable brain damage. Uh, the word itself, kuru, means laughing disease uh, in its name, because the scientists observed uh, fits of hysterical laughing in those affected. So it's pretty, uh, pretty tr- traumatic stuff. Um,
4: and so this is this came on because the tribe was basically practicing endocannibalism right, right? Yep. with the funeral rites they were consuming the body which you know isn't because they were looking for a source of protein but because they it was a way to respect the deceased to literally absorb them
1: right and, it, and it's it's interesting this is a case where if you if you start thinking about cannibalism in a very logical you know energy sort of uh, uh you know uh, thing, then, uh, eating one's ancestors does kind of make, it makes sense. It's like a way to honor them. It's like I'm inviting their energy back into me. And, uh, and that's, that's pretty much how, but how, they, how they look at it. Symbolically would yes. be great. Yeah. Symbolically, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and on a basic energy level, it's, it's not bad either, but the, the thing is, it's kind of, uh, it, it really opens the door for the passage of, uh, disease.
4: Right. And so this is sort of like the mad cow equivalent is that right
1: yes yeah mad cow is a similar disorder as is so i'm going to just take a shot at this uh cruzfeld jacobs disease Creutzfeldt. yeah that sounds good yeah this sounds go better that. than what i did uh, and this is a human variant of bad cow disease. And, uh, they basically, like with the foray, they were basically able to, uh, to, to wipe out the, the disease by simply getting them to stop practicing this communal cannibalism. Right,
4: like literally overnight. Yeah. They got them to, to eradicate this from yeah. the tribe.
1: Yeah, yeah, even basically it's like, hey guys, you know, when you're, uh, uh, your family members uh, go stark raving mad and are laughing at nothing, and then die. Well, that comes from the cannibalism, so let's cut that out. It's they're pretty, like, what they're like? Well, you know, we weren't too, we weren't that crazy about the cannibalism. <laughs> we can, we can set that aside.
4: Well, I guess it's also in, in nature a little bit of a concern for primates too, because they sometimes will consume a body as a group, right? Spreading potentially a disease, something like hepatitis, right? Um, and I did want to. Add a side note about bonobos, um, Mm -hmm. which is an ape, and uh, they're sometimes called the hippie ape because they um, are fun loving and they love to mate without discretion. It's like the key parties in the 70s. Yeah, they
1: are the bonobo along with the humans and the dolphins, only animals that uh, actually enjoy sex.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) hence called the hippie ape. I don't know. Um, Do hippie apes? enjoy sex with one another? I don't know. But uh, something that was pretty disconcerting is that they were observed pretty recently in the wild to have consumed one of their own. Mm -hmm. And uh, Again, this is the anthropomorphic thing where we look at them and we say, oh, but but they're just peace-loving and they just love to have sex with each other. Why are they eating each other? Um, But they would be a good example of primates um, taking the body and eating it and they actually ate that body for more than seven hours um, which is a lot longer than they would take on any other body mm-hmm. and uh, some of the people in the group or the individuals I guess you would say right. people, uh, were actually playing with the food so um, it, it's, a, it's an interesting side note in that uh, it's an odd occurrence for bonobos to be doing that in, in the way that they did. And, of course, you could extrapolate that at some sort of uh, funeral rite, but then that wouldn't really be correct because we just don't know what they were doing. But it's also a good example of how that disease could be transmitted through the group.
1: Right. Now, and, and it's easy to, though, to fall into the trap of saying, well, then this is a great case of where, you know, can you know, nature abhors cannibalism and that, you know, cannibalism of this nature, this, you know, communal, communal cannibalism is just poison. Um, and, and, you know, may, maybe, you know, you could still make that case, but, uh, I was looking at a 2006, uh, University of Virginia study and they found that ca- cannibalism, uh, is actually only documented as the predominant transmission mode, uh, of a disease in very few species. Um, yeah even even through uh you know specific instances of cannibalistic transmission um, that that have been noted um, like basically it, the only two cases they found were the prion transmission right. in humans that we mentioned earlier and a um a kind of protozoa uh, based uh, illness in lizards
4: oh right yeah, yeah. And do you think this is because most cannibalism is one on one, as opposed to a, a group situation? Like the, the the group cannibalism is more of an outlier.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I, yeah, and also I think it's uh, it it also comes down to like cannibalism. Like you know, a disease is going to needs to spread. It's got the same genetic mission as 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 any organism. Right. So it needs it needs a, a road it can count on. Right. So the the idea of some sort of disease depending exclusively on cannibalism it, it, it largely doesn't make sense. It's okay. just not a not. An economic way of going about it. So, like, so, um, you know, for instance, in this study, in other cases of cannibalistic d- disease transmission, uh, and there were others, alternate disease transmission modes existed. Um, so, it's like the, you know, hepatitis or something. Hepatitis isn't depending exclusively on group cannibalism to spread, but if that door open, it'll gladly <laughs> gladly take it. Right. You know? right, Not to personify the uh, the illness too much.
4: No, so, no. So, I guess that the, talking about. Um not trying to anthropomorphize. Ultimately, you can't get back around to this question. Aren't we sort of all cannibals on some level or another?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you look at things like um, you know anything from a blood transfusion to uh, you know organ transplant. I mean, it's it again kind of comes down to uh, the the energy uh, uh, situation. It's like we're we're taking energy out and storing it. We're harvesting energy that it can uh, that is otherwise going to be wasted and bringing it back into ourselves. Yeah. Um, there are a few interesting cases in uh, in uh, traditional Chinese medicine where you have uh, what they call Taibo, a i T-A-I-B-A-O, nothing to do with... Uh,
4: the uh, uh, martial arts <laughs> exercise Yeah, videos. nothing to do
1: with that. But uh, but this is a particular medicine that involves uh, something uh, uh, also referred to as a bordis because it's uh, it's uh, harvested from, uh, from fetuses. Uh, and this is according to uh, Mary Roach in her book Stiff. She goes into this a little and explores yeah. uh, this whole chapter on cannibalism. Uh, and the use of materials from corpses in medicine in that book. So I highly recommend checking that out. So there you have it. Fine, young cannibals. Fine, young animal cannibals. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. It's an older episode, but again, uh, the information is certainly all
4: good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so does this uh, change the way that you look at praying mantises now? Uh, do you think of them as being these Zen-like creatures or just uh, horrific sexual antics?
1: Yeah, let us know. You can find us in all the normal places. We are at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's the, the mothership. You can also find us in social media outlets such as Facebook and Tumblr. We are StuffToBlowYourMind on both of those. And also on Twitter where our handle is BlowTheMind. And, oh, head over to YouTube and you can catch us uh, uh, engaging in various uh, educational antics at MindStuffShow.
4: And you can always drop us a line and we encourage you to do so at Blow the Mind at BlowTheMindAtDiscovery.com.
0: No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for?
1: Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management
2: practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake Kits...